All right, Sam, I've, I've written it down. We need to take our family of three all the way to Asia, to Disney, just so you can buy Duffy merch. <laughs> you may want to go on an attraction or two, but you know. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody, to this week's episode of the DCL Duo Podcast brought to you by My Path Unwinding Travel. And Sam, we don't have 80 days, but we're going around the world today with Adventures by Disney. I know this is crazy. This has been something we've been super excited about covering. Um, of course, when it first got announced by Adventures by Disney that they were doing this 24-day trip around the world on a private jet where you hit all of the worldwide Disney parks as well as a bunch of other exclusive locations like the Walt Disney Studios in Burbank and Skywalker Ranch up in, uh, I guess it's in Napa, um, but really just all these like amazing locations. And we discovered an amazing guest who has joined us here today. So let's welcome Benji from Laughing Place. Welcome, Benji. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, thanks for joining us. Um, you know, it's a very small and elite group of people who got to do this around the world with Adventures by Disney. Um, before we dive into our topic, we love to get people's you know Disney background, Disney cruising background. And we know you run uh, social media and are a content creator and have a blog called Laughing Place. Why don't you tell us about sort of your background with Disney and of course, Disney Cruise Line, since that's our first love. Sure. So I became a Disney fan when I was about three, when uh, we they had the Disney Channel free preview weekends. And I was with my grandparents and I watched the Disney Channel and I fell in love with the idea of the Disney Channel and uh, quickly got it. And obviously through the Disney Channel, they had a lot of parks content. So I wanted to go to the parks and I grew up in the Bay Area, which is Northern California. And so we could drive down to Disneyland. If I had realized how close it actually was, I would have been very upset with my parents that we only went like every five years. But <laughs> um, so then eventually when I was in fourth grade, I went to Walt Disney World, fell in love with that. We started coming to Walt Disney World when I was about 12 and just was awed by that whole experience and sort of established my desire to eventually be part of the Walt Disney Company. So when I started going to college, I went to UCLA in Los Angeles, so it was easy enough to work at Disneyland. Then I spent a while working at Walt Disney World, and I did some various other things. I had to move back for some family reasons to the Bay Area. So I started working with Laughing Place. I, I became friends with Laughing Place, Doobie and Rebecca, the co-founders, when I worked at Disney. And so we kind of brainstormed ways we could revitalize the site. My love of Disney Cruise Line, I haven't I'm sure I haven't done as many as you. I've only done 25. But you've done more than us, Benji. Yeah. Okay. You've actually done just by a couple, but you've done more. We're we're almost to Pearl, but we have a couple to go. So we're just a couple bit a couple behind you. So in fairness, what happened was is I did I had to do a cruise for work. And mm -hmm. so I did a cruise and I didn't think I, I wanted to do it because it was Disney, but I didn't think mm -hmm. I would love it as much as I did. We did a four night and I just fell in love. And before I could get off the ship, I had to book another one back when they had the like people on the ship to sell you a specific cruise. Right. And so I, I did that. And then I was working at Disney, not making a heck of a lot of money, but they had great cast member rates where you could basically, it was like cheaper to do the cruise than, you know, go out to dinner. So, you know, you'd book it. It was like 15, $17 a night rates at that time. 
And so you would book it and I would, I, I ramped up a bunch of cruises that way. And then when I left Disney, you know, still enjoyed going on cruises. I probably do two or three a year, kind of depending on what is going on in, in the world that we do. Now that I'm involved with Laughing Place, we obviously do a bunch of cruises sort of for work, quote unquote. But um, I still enjoy doing them just for fun. Sometimes I do a cruise where I specifically say, I am not working. I'm not taking a single picture on the slide. Um, <laughs> so kind of relive the, the guest magic of it. Because it's one of the few places at Disney I never worked. So I can still kind of have that uh, distance between me and sort of the backstage magic of it. I, I, I want to know as little possible about how the cruise line actually works. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally understand that. I think when Disney becomes probably, well, I'm guessing that when Disney becomes your profession, it loses some of that magic because you do see sort of behind the curtain um, type stuff. So I like to tell people that it just changes because you sure you lose a little bit of the the illusion, but you gain so much appreciation for the people that make the magic happen that it almost becomes more magical in its way when you when you know the people behind it, you see the careers that have been created, you see the fandom through the other side of the of the looking glass. It, it, it's not I haven't lost my love of Disney by working there. It just evolved and changed. So Benji, how did you decide or what prompted you to book doing this around the world trip. I want to call it a cruise because I feel like it's kind of like... A cruise. I, I think that's an unfair question, Sam, because if any Disney fan had the disposable income to do this trip, <laughs> I don't think there's a question in their mind about why they would book it or whether they would book it. I mean, I think when this trip first came out, I was looking at what what kind of room do we have on our mortgage <laughs> on our house? So um, I don't think the why behind it uh, is necessarily interesting. I, I'd be curious, Benji, what did you think about this trip when they first announced it? Uh, because I think there was a little bit of rancor in the community that like, oh, this is totally inaccessible. And it is. It, it, it is. I I just want to be upfront with people like this is a prurient interest kind of show right now or being voyeuristic and wanting to learn more about this trip. <laughs> it is for, you know, kind of, uh, you know, a different sort of class of people going to Disney, uh, which I don't have a problem with. I don't have Dis Disney has always kind of offered differentiated experiences. So I don't have a problem with that. Uh, but I'm curious what you thought about it when you first saw this trip being announced. So, I, I mean, I, I agree with you 100%. This is not accessible to everyone. And, and I was debating whether... I should even continue forward with this, you know, and I wasn't sure. It's not, it's not even just the money. Obviously, the money is a big thing, but taking 23 days out of your life to go on this experience is not accessible for everybody, right? And what happened was they announced it, and I was at a conference and I was miserable, and I just wanted to do something fun for myself. So I emailed the travel agent and I said, hey, go ahead and book this. If I had not had a travel agent, I wouldn't have followed through with it, but because I already sent the email out, I it happened without my knowledge. Right, I didn't have to wait on hold for however long it took. I just it just happened without my knowledge, and that's not a plug for travel agents. It's just that's the experience I had, and I must have thought about canceling a hundred different times. Once again, I'm not trying to say the money's not insignificant, but taking that much time off and what. You know, working for Laughing Place, taking time off during Comic-Con, during the heat of the summer. Normally, we have the Television Critics Association. We, there's a lot of stuff that usually happens in July. And I was concerned about it. And I would have canceled if I had not received a message from a friend of mine who works from Adventures by Disney and says, hey, I saw you on the manifest. Can't wait to see you on it. And I was like, oh, well, now I can't cancel because I'll look like a doob or whatever, right? And so... <laughs> I, I'm, and you know, I I thanked her at the kind of middle of the trip. I was like, 
thank you so much for messaging me because I probably would have canceled. Luckily, uh, and I don't mean to say this is a positive thing, the writers and actors strike really helped us in terms of (laughs) feeling guilty being out because a lot of that content that we'd normally be covering is not something we had to worry about. And I was able to reach out to our friends at the parks and kind of square everything away ahead of time. So I, I appreciate them. But it was it was not something that I normally would have booked. And it's also, I struggle to say that I am not much like many of the guests that were on the trip. It was a very diverse guest mix in terms of why people were there, but I was a little surprised, and I don't mean this in a bad way at all, but these were people that I would say are kind of like, I like going to Disney World, or I like you know going to the Halloween parties. These are not what I would call like sort of like hardcore D23 members. Where oh, wow. So not like super fan Disney people. I mean, and there were some people that knew more than others, but I was shocked at the level of Disney knowledge being a lot lower than I would have anticipated. We had Becky Klein from the archives on the trip and it was we had a conversation where it's like, yeah, we kind of have to bring it down. You know, you, you, you go in thinking this is all going to be people who know who Mary Blair is like it's right. You know, right. And they don't. And, you know, as a whole, they just love going to Disney parks and saw it and had the means to do it. So that was a little surprising to me, not in a bad way. In fact, it probably made my experience better because if it was filled with a bunch of people like me, I would have, it would have driven me crazy. But um, that's just that's just so interesting to hear from the standpoint because when I look through the itinerary, there's so much that's like behind the scenes, special access with Imagineering, the Disney story, the Disney touches. Because it's it's way more than just visiting. I mean, you do visit each park, and no shame there. But it seemed like it was so much, so geared, I should say, toward those hardcore Disney fans. That's so interesting. I was surprised at the number of people who this was their first time going to Disneyland. Like they're Disney World people, wow. and this is, wow. this is how they were introduced to Disneyland. Once again, not everybody, and I'm making a generalization here for 73 sure. people and that's you know it's a bit unfair but i i think it as a whole it really surprised me at just just for example you know they did a trivia question and it was like you know what's the n- number 1401 significant to the walt disney company and i was like oh well, you know it's wdi and i was like the only person who responded <laughs> and like oh wow this is this is not the people i hang out with which is great cuz i met a lot of great friends who kind of diversified my friend base because most of my friends can name all the nine old men in like 10 seconds so it's <laughs> it's nice to have people who view are they're still fans there's no question they're fans but are fans in a different way than i am which i which helps me as someone who lives in the fan community so, Benji, had you been on an Adventures by Disney before? Yes. As it turns out, this is my seventh. I only know that because they give you pins for everyone. So I got a little seven pin on this one. So I'm, I'm curious because this one is like, you know, kind of the pinnacle of Adventures by Disney at the moment. It, did, you, did you find the, the lead up, the service experience, kind of the white glove experience to be the same? Or was it amped up a notch further than what you've seen on prior ABD trips? Uh, no. I mean, I would say the pre-trip service was bad. and. What's interesting is, is, and this is getting a little wonky in terms of the weeds of how Disney operates, but when Disney purchased 21st Century Fox, they got na- basically National Geographic in the, in the deal, and they merged National Geographic Expeditions with Adventures by Disney. And 
this is essentially a Nat Geo trip because Nat Geo does around the world trips of various ilks. Right. And it was their plane, right? Yeah. I mean, they rethemed the plane, but it's, it's an Iceland airplane that they use frequently for their trips. But it's, they rethemed it again for Adventures by Disney. But if you looked out the window, you could see the kind of where they painted over the yellow border with the Disney Adventures by Disney star. And so this was the first time they've done anything like this, where sort of Nat Geo and Disney were trying to merge together operationally. And so I believe, and this is me kind of reading between the lines here, that the lead up was challenging because... They they were just didn't weren't prepared for it. For example, like when you sign up, you're supposed to get an email with um like information and then also like a sweet upgrade form. So unlike a regular ABD, you can upgrade to a nicer room if you so choose. You know, at, at various locations. Well, they sent those forms with like fonts that aren't recognized by m- most Acrobat readers. So it was all gibberish, and so it took them two days to fix it. I kept getting emails with different people's names in it. This is like, dear Johnson family, you know, and I'm like, uh, that's not us. Like, no, like nothing like bad. It was just s- sloppy. Yeah, just the kind of snafus you don't expect from a well-oiled machine like you expect ABD to be. And I've had great experience booking ABDs before, so it was. It just seemed like this was a little. Like they send out an email saying, you are going to get three emails from us on this date, on this date, on this date. And first of all, I felt like you can email me a lot more for the amount we're spending. Email me. (laughs) (laughs) But then at the same time, like they missed those targets. And so, and like, for example, I I put in for a couple of suite upgrades, which ended up being a waste of money because we weren't in the room long enough to enjoy them. But uh, like, I didn't know that they got approved until I had the travel agent check and they're like, oh yeah, it got approved and they want the money today. I was like, I mean, I mean, it's fine. It just seems like, what if I was busy or something? You know, like that makes no sense. So, and I gave him that feedback right when I started, and I said, I'm having a great time. You know, on the first two days of this trip, but man, the communication before we left was bad. So the trip starts off in Southern California, Benji. That's where you start, and you meet up basically at Disneyland, uh, and you're spending a few days on the West Coast. But I'm curious, you met up with the group on your first night, as is pretty typical for ABD. Uh, what what kind of folks were on this trip? Was it mostly older couples? Were there kids? Like we're, we're just sort of curious what the demographics looked like on the on the trip. Sure. So the youngest person was 14. You could book it as young as 12. Um, there were not many families. There was maybe five or six kids, and I could say kids, but you know that were still in college. Um, but it was mostly, on average, maybe it's 50s and 60s, a couple families here and there. You know, I think the economics of these are people who had their career, maybe are now at the point where they're focused more on traveling and, and spending the money they you know, worked hard to get. So it was, it was, we were on the younger side, and I'm 40, of, of the average demo. And, and how many people was it on the trip again? So it was supposed to be 75. Two people had to cancel last minute, which stinks because they lost $200,000. Yeah. So it was supposed to be 75. We had 73. And then there, I would say there's probably about, there were probably eight to 10, more than that, maybe 10 to 12 people that were on the, that came and journeyed with us. So we had three adventure guides and they were sort of like the Disney folks representatives. We had an adventure leader who was named Troy. We had an assistant adventure leader who was Patricio, and his ascent, his job was focused mainly on luggage. He did other things, but that was what his sort of area of responsibility was. And then we had another assistant adventure leader named Julie, and she was the point person for visas and immigration and passports and stuff like that. 
that we had Becky Klein, who was the adventure tour, uh, venture host, and then a couple of different executives that I think were kind of just um, traveling along just as a, you know, first try, see what get it by. People would come and go. So as Sam mentioned up front, it'll be hard for us to go day by day here and keep this within kind of the parameters of a podcast show. But I, I want to try to hit some of the highlights if we if we can. And then as we proceed through, you know, hit across some of the big themes here, like hotels and food and that kind of stuff. But um, one thing I was interested in immediately. So obviously, you're in Disneyland. So they got to put you up at the uh, the crown jewel of the Disney resorts, the Grand California Hotel. But your dinner the first night uh, was at the Lincoln Theater, uh, which I, I don't know to be a normal dinner venue <laughs> for Disneyland. And I'm just curious what that was like. Sure. So they brought us in the back where the fifth Freedom Mural used to be. Now it has just random people on it. Um, not random, but celebrities and things. And then we went into the theater and we had a presentation, uh, kind of overview, if, very familiar to like an ABD opening dinner kind of presentation. You're going to go here, you're going to go there. The head of Adventures by Disney came and did a little talk too. And then we exited where you would normally enter the main show into the Opera House lobby. And then they had tables set up there in the back area where around the Capitol building, essentially. And then the buffet was kind of where the Disney Gallery is getting exhibit, and uh, Mickey was off in the corner there too. Oh, nice! So an exclusive visit with uh, the Big Cheese himself. Yeah, absolutely. We got we. He kind of. I, I should say, you know, he wasn't on our plane, but he definitely traveled around with us. Um, I he he must have had a different plane he was taking because we saw him quite a bit. But <laughs> uh, yeah, he was there in his Disney 100 outfit. Oh, nice. Yeah, did he have different outfits throughout your your visits with him? Yes, absolutely. Uh, which is the best. I feel like, you know, because everyone has like that classic picky, pick, sorry, everyone has that classic picture with Mickey um, in sort of his, well, I'll call it his regular outfit, right? His red. Um, but then, you know, you can see him all around the different parks and different locations in various outfits and various themes for, of course, holidays and Disney 100 and all that kind of stuff. And it's just kind of nice to get uh, pictures at all the different places. So I, I think we'll sort of, as Brian mentioned, and, you know, Disneyland is fantastic. You obviously got to do, um, I know, some VIP stuff there and some, you know, private experiences there. Can I ask one question there, though, Sam, really fast? I just want Benji, were you surprised on the itinerary for Disneyland, two things that caught my attention that were not there that I would have thought a trip of this caliber might have had was some way to get this group into Club 33 or uh, 1901? No, I wasn't. Um, and, uh, and mainly because I know... At Disneyland, because it's a membership club, bringing other people in there can devalue the perception of the membership. And so I, I know Disneyland, at, and we did go to two Club 33s, but that uh, particularly at, at Disneyland Disney World, it's not meant to be someplace that Disney can take non-members there for exclusive experiences. Yeah. That makes sense. And I know you guys do get some, you know, VIP tours and um, special, you know, meals and things like that. But I feel like because we've got so much to cover, we've got to move on from Disneyland and head up to the Bay Area where you're actually from. <laughs> um, because you did some really cool stuff in the in San Francisco and in, I guess, Napa area. Tell us what kinds of exclusive stuff you guys got up to in the Bay Area. So we went to the Disney Museum and I would say that that is that wasn't particularly exclusive. And being from here, <laughs> we go all the time. So that was kind of a, a little bit of a chill moment. But then we went to Lucasfilm. Now, we we kind of bypassed the studio a lot 
but there we, we got to see the infinity stage, which, you know, you may know it as a volume or. Oh, cool. And so when we went to Lucasfilm, we were able to see the other part of that where they really can do motion capture with uh, an actor and kind of insert it into a, a, a space, right? So we got, we met the guy who's basically been Rocket and Groot in every Disney attraction. You know, he's, uh, and even sometimes their, their face, I call them face characters, but you know, actors, but they just mocap them in with, uh, this gentleman who was just sitting in the corner, he's like, oh yeah, no, this, uh, I forget his name, but you know, our, our, the guy leading was like, you remember that? That's this guy. That, that's this guy. You're like, I was like, if you, if you did his box office, this guy would like, has been in every billion dollar movie ever. But <laughs> so that was pretty cool getting a tour of ILM. But the real, I would say the wow moment was going to Skywalker Ranch. And as cruise folks, this is the one part of the trip that felt like a cruise. It felt like, we, we were given, there was options, you could do them, you couldn't do them. You know, like there was wine tasting, there was trivia, there was, you know, hikes up into the, up into the observation area. Uh, they asked us to, if we wanted to have spa treatments. So we signed up. And the weird thing about it was, is after the spot treatment, I tried to pay and they're like, oh, we don't take money. So I went to the front desk and they're like, check back later. And then I went back to the desk uh, at the end and they're like, oh, no, don't worry about it. It's covered. I was like, oh, okay. so because there was definitely a price list. So whatever. But um, it was unfortunately like three days in that we did this because it was the most relaxing part of the trip. And we could have used like we like we everyone joked. I was like, I wish we had this two weeks in. The other thing I forgot to mention, and I should, is we also had a doctor on board that traveled with us, Dr. Shea, who was amazing and was actually like, I think a crew favorite, like in terms of us, like we just fell in love with him. And he was there to help kind of keep an eye on you, answer medical questions, but also was just a great guy just to talk to. That's awesome. That's pretty cool. I never would have imagined um, a doctor traveling with the group, but it totally makes sense when you've got that many people and you're flying around on a private jet from you know all over the world. And you know, if a medical emergency happens, probably helpful to have an American doctor with you. Wow, that's awesome. It, you know, it's interesting because we were you know, we went to India, and I had, they, you have to have a doctor fill out a form for you before you can go on the trip. Like you go to your personal doctor and and what have you. And no one ever mentioned malaria to me. And so on the first day, when we're in the opera house, the doctor mentioned, hey, you may want to get malaria medication. So I went up to him and I said, you know, can you help me get this? And so he wrote us a prescription. As I'm waiting to go into Walt's apartment on our Disneyland day, I get a text from CVS saying, your prescription's ready to be picked up in Garden Grove. I was like, okay. So I was like, do I, should I go to Garden Grove? And I show it to someone from ABD. And she's like, oh, no, don't worry, we'll pick it up. So they picked it up and they didn't charge me for it. You know, I mean, it was, I had insurance, it was like, $12, but you know, it's nice not to even have to worry about it. And in fact, in every destination, every non-US destination, they gave you about 10 bucks in local currency. So if you had to use a rest, you know, pay restroom or just grab a Coke or something, you had a little bit of money because obviously changing money that many times would have been a bit of a burden. That that leads me to a quick question, Benji, which is, you know, on most ABDs, like most meals are included, not all, you know, that sort of thing. Was this more inclusive than what you've experienced in ABD in the past or about the same? Every meal was included. And that sometimes I meant more than three. So, um, <laughs> for example, at Skywalker Ranch, they, you know, they had the meals, but there was also like a 24 hour snack room of cookies and cake and soda and everything. So, uh, it was, there was no shortage of food. I don't think I ever paid for food out of pocket. Sometimes they give you cash to buy the food or they would give you like a gift card to buy the food, but there was never a shortage of food. It, the only thing you really had to pay for out of pocket were two things. One was any merchandise you bought. And two, at every stop, they would ship things for you if you 
you know, because obviously the luggage situation was limited and we're going to a lot of cool places. So you had to pay the shipping, but they would do all the packing for you. You could just go, here's the stuff. And then they would pack it and, and ship it off home for you. Oh, that's an amazing amenity. Every stop, they gave you a postcard where you could write and they would mail it off for you. That's a nice touch. That's a nice touch. We were able to, I was able to, you know, uh, mail a postcard to an uncle from every stop who was wanting to follow along on the journey. And it was funny because the one from San Francisco, the Skywalker Ranch, that was the last one he got. So. <laughs> I love that. That's hilarious. I'm, I'm sure they probably gave you some swag along the way too. I mean, I would kind of expect that for this kind of a trip. Yeah. And a lot more swag than what I would expect on a regular ABD. So obviously may have seen our video where we unboxed sort of the bag we got. So we got Toomey luggage with all sorts of junk in it and not junk, but um, <laughs> iPad, you know, Bose headphones, all sorts of things. And then on the plane, there was another, it was a Toomey kind of duffel bag. Not, or It's like a Mary Poppins bag. I'm, I don't not update on my bag terminology. And that you kept on the plane. So you could put anything you wanted in there. And just like, let's say you bought something, you didn't want to you know, pack and unpack it. You just put it in there and you just kept it. And then it was there when you came back on the plane the next day or wherever. Um, and then there they had a blanket and, and some more sort of like typical flight amenities. You know, if you fly first class, you know, you get the toothbrush and all that stuff. Right, the eye mask. Then in each stop, when you would check into the room, there was a gift of some sort. So, for example, when we first, the first one was kind of bigger because it was the first one, I think, but it had, um, we got fans, like electric fans. We had a pin bag, which I didn't know what was a pin bag until I asked somebody because we would get a pin of the day, you know, if you're familiar with Adventures by Disney. For example, in Egypt, we were given a necklace. In India, we were given a plate, which was in, which was featured inlay art, similar to what they did on the Taj Mahal. Paris, we were given a, what I call it, like our Naribis brother style crystal name tag. So it was, it was a 30th anniversary name tag with our names on them. So there, there was definitely a lot of gifts in, in each stop, but there was, it was, it wasn't like, I mean, overload because obviously <laughs> luggage became a situation, but yeah, in every stop we would go into the room and there'd be something. And there would also be things like, you know, fruit baskets and, and drinks and snacks in the room constantly. Constantly. And at the Grand Floridian, at the last stop, they had a chocolate sculpture, which was like a suitcase. And they gave you a box to take it home in because uh, I mean, it wasn't edible. It was just sort of a piece of art. Yeah. The only problem with that is once you walked outside with it in Orlando, it became chocolate milk. But yeah. Going to California wasn't going to happen. So we called a friend who was local and was like, hey, do you want those? <laughs> I love that. I love that. So after um, Skywalker Ranch, which I know you were there for, you know, a couple of days, um, you flew to Tokyo by way of Anchorage, Alaska. What was the reason for stopping in Alaska? Do you know, was it just to refuel or what did you guys get off? Yeah, it was just to refuel. Okay. So it, it was, it was, we didn't get off. I, I don't even know why they even call it out on the thing because sometimes we get it and they didn't call it out. So uh, yeah, it's being a 757. I mean, we haven't talked about the plane, but it's, you know, it can only go so far. Uh, so it was just a fuel stop. We stopped for maybe 30 minutes and then phew, back up. Awesome. Let, let's talk about the plane for a second because you mentioned it here, right? So we, you've got, you know, 75 passengers plus, uh, you know, you said, I think 12 sort of people traveling with you and you're on, you know, a commercial airplane that's been made in, into, you know, a plane for, well, first Nat Geo and then for Adventures by Disney. Is the whole plane essentially like first class or how how is it set up? Yeah, I think 
it, it, the best way to describe it would be domestic first class. So it wasn't like a, a lie flat seat kind of situation because you wouldn't be able to fit that many people on a 757 that way. But it was it was it was nice enough. It's a little little dated. I'm imagining. I mean, you know, they haven't made 757s in quite some time. So I don't. My understanding is Nat Geo actually has a newer, nicer plane that they use. And so I think at some point they'll probably convert to that. But it's not so much the plane that ended up being the kind of fun part about it. It was being with the same crew the whole time, same pilot, same chef, same, you know, all that stuff. I mean, even going from Burbank, well, we flew out of Ontario, Ontario to Oakland, you know, they had a snack service, right? Like, and I don't mean like peanuts, like they gave us like caviar and stuff. And then once we left America, you could go in the cockpit, you could watch them take lift off the plane, you could watch them t- land the plane, you know, it was kind of cool. And, you know, the safety demonstration got a little more lax as we went along where, it was it was like suddenly the adventure guides are doing it and then the guests are doing it and then we did it in spanish and oh my god i love that and then during the flights i mean you there's a lot of flights that you because you're going around the world of course um you know are are they doing sort of activities to keep you entertained is are people sleeping on the plane you said it wasn't lie flat seats but obviously there's going to be a lot of jet lag going on because you're changing time zones quite a bit every few days in fact um but did, were, was there kind of entertainment on the on the plane Sure. And this is something I did give them feedback and they kind of pivoted midway through to their credit. So Becky would do presentations, you know, Disney history presentations. And then before we would go to Disney destinations, they'd give like an overview of the park. At first, they would kind of do it in the middle, but they transitioned to doing it at the front, you know, either soon after takeoff during the meal service or, you know, closer to landing because they they gave us all iPads to use for this system, but they basically would have to make an announcement before they used it, you know, saying, hey, we're going to use the system, you know, and then it, it's a little, the system was a little clunky, I think a little clunkier than they intended it to be. And so they would have to kind of go up and down, kind of like troubleshooting it. So the problem with that was it would just wake people up. So, you know, in the middle of the flight, they kind of went away from doing anything and just move it to the front and back. So there was, and I mean, there was enrichment during it, but you also, you know, at that point, you kind of just wanted to sleep a bit. We were all given free Disney Plus accounts, which is silly. I mean, I, at first I was like, this is silly. Who's going on this trip who doesn't have a Disney Plus? <laughs> but with, with the idea we could download content to watch, you know, on the plane. Right, right. No, that that definitely makes sense. All right. Well, so you you get to Tokyo and you are um, shipped off to the Tokyo Disneyland Hotel. Having never been to Tokyo Disneyland myself, you know, tell us the accommodations. What were they like, and and how would you sort of compare the accommodations to what we see at the at the local parks? So the thing about the Tokyo Disney Resort hotels are. They use these hotels differently than most people. Then I shouldn't say they use these hotels differently than a domestic guest would. Typically, you only stay there for two nights. You're not there for the week. You 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 check in, basically you check out. So they're smaller. Most rooms are twin, you know, double beds. We upgraded to a Cinderella room, which was lovely. I mean, they're beautiful rooms, but they're not as spacious. I mean, none of the rooms are as spacious as a domestic hotel is. So it's nice. And the hotel's lovely, and the cast is out of this world. You know, if you're used to staying at a high-end Grand Floridian room, it's probably, and I'm, I'm not, but, you know, especially because a lot of people now use Vacation Club, where the rooms are just humongous. You know, it's, it, it's not like that, right? It's just, it's a, you know, it's smaller than an NBC Suites room. So 
it's nice and it's gorgeous and it's themed and the amenities, you know, you have toothbrushes, you have, you have, you have a little bit more robust service. The one thing that I also f- failed to mention is laundry was complimentary because we couldn't pack three weeks of clothes. Uh, you know, you, w- you would send the laundry off and I sent it off on my last day in Florida too. And uh, it was uh, a nice little, you sort of, when you would go in the room, you'd, the first thing you did was figure out what the laundry process was. <laughs> Right, right. That makes sense. Wow, that's a great amenity. I mean, of course, it makes sense. You can't possibly, you know, if they're limiting you on the weight and the size of your luggage, you can't possibly bring enough for the entire trip. But that's a pretty nice amenity as well. So tell us about the experiences. Let's talk and we'll focus on the exclusive experiences that you guys got to do at Tokyo Disneyland and Tokyo Disney Sea outside of obviously, you know, just getting to go on rides. Yeah. So the one thing that was Tokyo Disney Resort is different because it's not owned by Disney, right? It's it's owned by the Oriental Land Company. I would say in terms of the special experiences, these were a little bit more limited just because, you know, OLC doesn't have to. Um, <laughs> so we went into Tokyo Disney Sea before the park opens and we got a tour. We could pick between Tower of Terror, Soaring, or Journey in the Center of the Earth as like and get an imagineering tour of the kind of area and then you'd go on the ride. And I picked Journey in the Center of the Earth because it's the one attraction I haven't worked. And it was, we had access, unlike, we didn't have VIP tour guides, we could just walk up to the rides using our badges, which was different than any other park. And then we had two exclusive dinners. One was at Magellan's in Tokyo Disney Sea, followed by exclusive viewing of their nighttime show at Tokyo Disneyland. And then the next night was at Club 33, which was special in its own way. But in terms of like the special, you know, experiences, this was probably the least but it's also Tokyo Disneyland, so you didn't need as much. You know, Disneyland and Walt Disney World had the most because presumably we go there all the time. Tokyo Disney, you know, there's so many attractions that you wanted to ride. That was that was more of the focus here. And you could also, you know, in each of these stops, they also had options to go into the cities. You go into Tokyo or Hong Kong, Shanghai, Paris, etc. Awesome. Now for Club 33 at Tokyo Disneyland, like is it a private club? Tell us about it because I I know nothing about Club 33 outside of the United States. Sure, it's a it's a private club. I, I believe all of the Club 33s are some form of a club private club. I don't know wh- the rules surrounding that one. You know, Japan's a, a lot more by the book on everything. So uh, th- there's a process to get into it. I don't know what magic Adventures by Disney pulled to be able to get in, but it was um it was, you know, a special surprise. Yeah. What was the food like in all of the meals that you guys were served at Tokyo Disneyland? I mean, were you served American food? Were you served Japanese food? Was it a combination? I'm just curious as to, you know, what the sort of focus is on the eating side of things. So you bring up a good point because this this was a little bit more Japanese style in Tokyo Disneyland. And this trip had a lot more I'm gonna call them picky eaters than I would have anticipated, to be frank, more than I think Disney anticipated. So the, the food got a little bit more accessible as we went on, just as they would pivot because of guest feedback. But yeah, this one was pretty, it was probably the most out there food. Now breakfast, there was always Western options and they went out of their way to accommodate guest tastes. One of the funny things is, I mean, I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but when we when we first got to the Grand Floridian, they had like baked potato bar, nuggets, mac and cheese, and they said that on their Nat Geo trips, the first dinner back in America is always like comfort food because you're around the world and you just want something. You know, the parks are obviously able to, uh, you know, when we were, had our own lunches, you know, you could get whatever you wanted in the park. And I believe in, they just gave us cash. So we just buy what we wanted. 
you know, in, in Tokyo. Now you had um, an option to do on your own exploration or go do some tours in Tokyo. I think it's for your second day in Japan. Uh, which options did you pick? So we, we for, with the exception of Paris, we picked to stay at the park. We had to pre-select these things. Not that there wasn't some wiggle room later on, but you had to pre-select them. And at the time, I was hoping to just have I needed knew I was going to need to do some work. And we had we had just been to Japan, Tokyo City proper in 2019. I had been to Shanghai and, and Hong Kong previously. Alex, who I was traveling with, hadn't been to had been to Disneyland Paris tons of times, but never been to Paris City. So that was the one we elected to actually go in, so he could see Paris finally. <laughs> Nice, nice. Let's talk about um, Shanghai a little bit because that's where you all headed next. So you head back in that beautiful private jet and head from Japan to China. Obviously, you're visiting Shanghai Disneyland when you go to Shanghai. But what are some of the exclusive things you got to do there? So we got an Imagineering tour of the park, uh, which was neat. You know, it was neat to see the local Imagineers, people who, you know, are native to the that that territory, but have drunken the Disney Kool-Aid so much. Same <laughs> That was really neat, you know, just to kind of see the global impact. And they were so proud of their park, as they should be. But obviously, by the time we got to Shanghai Disneyland, we were already well familiar with, you know, Chinese uh, bureaucracy. And it was neat to kind of say, okay, even though this country is very different, inside the berm here, it's basically the same thing, you know, and that's kind of cool. And then we had we got a, we got sort of reserved seating for the two main shows they have there the captain jack show in the pirate show and the i, I don't i want to say mickey's wondrous journey they, there's this sort of similar th- show that they do in every park now where it's like mickey finds a magical object and then <laughs> it uses then you know all the all these characters from different worlds come together and you know i get them all confused and then we got after the show we were able to get to see uh costumes and then mickey and i'll say mickey and goofy came out to kind of meet us and then we started our vip vip tour we once again went into club 33 in shanghai this club 33 is much more accessible but still neat and i had been there not too long ago but a lot of people kind of bought the whole store out there (laughs) oh yeah because they have exclusive club 33 merchandise and I'm, i'm imagining that every club 33 around the world has its own exclusive club 33 merchandise so unique stuff to their own club yeah in japan they wouldn't let you buy anything they gave us all like club 33 tumblers but uh in shanghai they let they let everyone buy whatever they wanted and they made a killing the store at, at Skywalker Ranch also made a killing. I think 20 people joined the Skywalker Vineyard the wine, club. wine Club. Oh, yeah. You know, it's, uh, it, the, you know, there was definitely some people that were happy to see us. <laughs> so, and then, you know, reserve seating for their nighttime show, whose name I'm forgetting. I want to say Illuminate. Once again, they all went together, but uh, yeah. Now, now these are like, obviously they're nighttime shows or like light and firework type shows, right? And so it seems like at all the parks you you all got kind of the reserved seating, you know, like you would get if you're taking, a, let's say, a VIP tour at one of the one of the U.S. parks. Yeah, and it's interesting in that that was part of the problem. I think the thing that they didn't think all the way through. And I don't blame them. I wouldn't have necessarily thought about this too. But if you're going to want to have a picture in front of the castle before the park opens, and you're going to want to have the fireworks show. It's a long uh, day. And you're doing it in summer, so you can't have the fireworks show at seven. You know, it's a long day. 
Oh yeah. I mean, I, I mean, if anything, maybe can you take a nap in the middle of the day? But if you're doing a VIP tour the whole day, you can't really, I guess on those days where you're like a little bit on your own, maybe you could take a nap, but still that's, yeah, that's quite a long day. And people would drop out of things. You know, people like they kind of group you into groups to do the VIP tour. Sometimes people would leave. Sometimes people would stay. I think for the Shanghai fireworks, there was three of us watching from the viewing area. <laughs> So, wow. Once again, these are not these are not Disney completionists for the most part. They don't feel they need to see everything. So um, they probably felt a lot better after the trip than I did. But uh, yeah, no, it's uh, it it did make for long days, as opposed to like in that geo around the world trip where you know you're not waiting till ten o'clock at Machu Picchu to see something, right? You know, you 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 go back, you see, you go out, you see what you're going to see, you come back, have dinner, and you go to sleep. So now, because you stayed at Shanghai Disneyland, I. T- Take it, you missed the dinner at Din Tai Fung. I saw that on the itinerary, Sam, and knew immediately you were going to bring it up, which I, I thought it was funny that Din Tai Fung was the place they took everyone because we've got those now in the States, but yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, and so, that, I mean, that was part of my reasoning. I was I went there with the Adventures by Disney when I did the China ABD, and also there's one coming to downtown Disney, so it just felt like, and there's I just, I literally went to one in Vegas maybe a month and a half ago, so. Yeah, we have a bunch of them in the Seattle area, and I want to put this out there. Like, I'm obsessed with Din Tai Fung. I love Love it. It's one of my favorite restaurants, like period. But I probably, I probably would have skipped it also because I'm like, I can go in Seattle. I don't need to go when I'm actually in Shanghai and I could spend the time at Shanghai Disneyland. So, and the ones in China are different than the ones in America. I mean, they both have the soup dumplings, but the vibe is very different. I mean, there's, it's almost like a McDonald's with soup dumplings. Like, I mean, it's table service, but it's super casual. Is here they kind of try and class it up make a bit. it more exciting and exotic. But you know, yeah. Listen, I can house some Xiaolong Bao with anyone. Okay, so I'm all about it. Would you like a chance to sail with the DCL Duo? Well, we have an opportunity for you. That's right. Next June is going to be our first ever inaugural DCL Duo podcast cruise. And we have a fun lineup of stuff on its way for that sailing. We're going to be on the magic for a three-night Bahamian sailing out of Fort Lauderdale on June 19th next year, 2024, with a stop at Lighthouse Point, one of the first sailings to go to Lighthouse Point. We are so excited to welcome all of you you, our listeners and fans out there to join us on this sailing. We've got some special things we want to do, including potentially an onboard recording of the podcast, which will just be so much fun. If you are interested in sailing with us, we would love to meet you. We always love to meet and interact with our listeners. So if you're interested, head over to mypathunwinding.com slash DCL Duo. That's mypathunwinding.com slash DCL Duo. Let them know you're interested in this sailing. We have a room block reserved, which means you've got opening day pricing locked in for some of our remaining rooms. So head over there, check it out. We'd love to see you on board with that. Thanks to My Path Unwinding Travel for sponsoring the show. And now back to the episode. Well, awesome. It sounds like that's, I mean, you guys had a couple of days at Shanghai and then you're headed to Hong Kong because obviously you got to hit Hong Kong Disneyland. So well, if I'm counting, this is park number three. Destination three. Oh, sorry. Destination yeah, yeah. Destination three, right. Yeah. Out of the five major uh, resorts. So Hong Kong, tell us what kinds of stuff you guys got to do that just a regular guest, you know, going to Hong Kong Disneyland might not get to do. 
So full disclosure, it was gazillion degrees out. And so they, they did kind of pivot a little bit on this one. We did an imaginary tour once again, which was basically just a walking tour. We had breakfast at the Main Street Corner Cafe, which if you're a Disney World person, sort of the equivalent of the, like if they made the Plaza restaurant bigger, but it's right there on the right hand side of Main Street. We did Tai Chi with Mickey Mouse. And I, I kept losing my balance, but Mickey kept cheering me on. We also met Mickey at Club 33. We met Mickey you know, in, in China. We met Duffy at Club 33 in Shanghai. So we mixed it up a little bit. Oh my God. I'm very jealous because I'm obsessed with Duffy. And the only place in the States that you can meet him is at Alwani. And even there, he's like very elusive. It's hard to actually... Can, can, I, give, can I give you a little Duffy pro trip if you go to um, Hong Kong? So there, they do a, like a lottery to win merchandise, a right to buy Duffy merchandise. What? Whatever the new stuff. However, if you stay at the hotel, you can buy the stuff without entering the lottery. What? So if you're staying at this Shanghai Dis- or sorry, Hong Kong Disneyland hotel, you can just go downstairs to the gift shop and they have it all there, but you have to be staying at the hotel. And if you go, you know, if you go to uh, the park, you have to enter the lottery on your phone. Okay, Brian, um, mark this down because we need to book a trip to Hong Kong Disneyland. Um, one, because I want to go there, but two, because I want to buy all of the Disney merch. Okay. All right, Sam, I've, I've written it down. We need to take our family of three all the way to Asia to Disney just so you can buy Duffy merch. <laughs> you may want to go on an attraction or two, but you know. <laughs> I might I might do a couple of rides. I We'll see. I don't know. All right. Well, Hong Kong, it, it seems like is a actually a quicker trip than Shanghai. And so then you head, you're staying in Asia, but you're headed to India. Tell us about Agra, India. So what's interesting is, is that the airport near Agra is a military airport. So you, there's not commercial flights. So we went, we landed at a different airport, went through customs, then went back on the plane and then flew to Agra. So if you hear people talk about how much of a pain it is to get to the Taj Mahal, this was a way to circumvent that. And so we were, we, we were maybe 15 minutes away, 20 minutes away. Now, every room at this hotel has a view of the Taj Mahal. And so you open up your balcony and there's the Taj Mahal. And the Taj Mahal is one of those things that it's not really like historically significant in that, you know, it's, it's not a palace, it's a mausoleum essentially, but it is so beautiful and it's so much more beautiful in person that it really is hard to describe. So at that point we were so tired, but they recommended doing the sunrise, you know, so we left sunrise version of the tour. So we left at 4.30 in the morning. So after the Taj, we also went to the Agra Fort, which it, you know, sort of complements that sort of story of the Taj Mahal. But then we did a lot of sleeping because we were poop. Yeah. And it, it sounds like you also had a traditional tea in your, like an afternoon high tea when you were in India. Am I right? I don't recall that. It might have been something they offered that we didn't partake of. They did kind of transition things because of the heat. You know, if you look at the brochure that they have, like the itinerary online, there was a lot of differences when we went in practice. Some things didn't happen. Some things happened that weren't on there. That's more of a guideline than something to get completely married to. Gotcha. Well, it, I mean, it sounds like in general, heat was an issue throughout this trip um, because, of course, it was in July, right? So, or end of June into July, um, which, of course, is, you know, summertime for all the locations where you all were going. Um, but I'm imagining Cairo was pretty warm because that was where you were headed next after India. Yeah, that, that was kind of brutal. And we flew into the new Giza airport that like, I think there was three flights the whole day there because it's really meant for the new museum that's not open yet. 
so we went to the old museum, which is a not air, they say it's air conditioned, but I don't think they know what that means. And, um, <laughs> and then obviously we went to the pyramids and the Sphinx, and we did those after hours. Once again, our room hotel room had a view of the pyramids from the window, and we were able to go inside the pyramids. There's nothing really in there, but it's kind of neat to say you were in there. And then went to the Sphinx, and we were able to go right between the Sphinx legs, which you normally don't get to do. That's awesome. It seems like um, they're trying to, at this point, mirror some things that you get to do on the ride Soren. Am I right about that? Yeah, that's exact, that was their justification. There, there was also sort of logistical reasons, but yeah, that was their justification. Yeah, because I mean, the Taj Mahal and, and of course, the pyramids, I, you know, they're featured in, in some movies, of course, um, that Walt Disney Studios owns, but they don't necessarily fit with the parks in the same way that going to like Hong Kong Disneyland or Shanghai Disneyland, right? So interesting stops. You don't want want to fly from Hong Kong to Paris. Um, You're going to stop anywhere. So totally makes sense. Yeah. So exactly. That's where we're headed. We're headed to France. We're headed to Paris, to Disneyland Paris. Tell us about Disneyland Paris and what kinds of cool things you got to do there. So we got to have some special experiences. Um, once again, we had a, a presentation by Imagineering at the Lucky Nugget Saloon, which is sort of the equivalent of the Golden slash Diamond Horseshoe, and which was neat. We got the VIP tour guides again. We had sort two special dinners. One was a Colonel Hathies, which they themed out. Normal Colonel Hathies is a pizza place, but they kind of made it a Welcome to France dinner. And then on the on the the second night, we had uh, like a dinner at uh, the Manhattan restaurant. I couldn't attend that personally. But then the third night, we had dinner at R- Remy's restaurant, Bistro de Remy. Oh, cool. That's the one where you can like see into the ride, right? Yeah, exactly. And then um, we had, there was a mime that showed up for some reason. And then Remy showed up. And then we got to do like a ride, like a last ride on Remy's Ratatouille Adventure. And then they did this sort of impromptu show in the courtyard there with a French singer singing France songs. And then Mickey showed up in his, you know, beret and all that. And, uh, and, and that was a culmination of our, our sort of our farewell to France dinner. They played it up a lot. They're like, this is going to be special. And it was nice, but they, they really want to make sure we were there. And they had champagne toast. And, you know, we're, we're breezing through this as we should, but there's a lot of special details that we're missing. I don't want people to think that this is just like an exhaustive list of every special touch they have. Yeah. No, we couldn't possibly um, cover everything that you got to do, obviously, on this trip. We're just trying to, for those listening, we're just hitting we're hitting some highlights because, as I said, we, we could spend probably days um, recording a show with Benji about all of the different experiences that, that were had on this um, adventure. Well, and, and I'll say Benji wrote this up over on Laughing Place, so I think you've got quite a bit of detail over there, as I recall. Well, to be fair, and, and not to get in trouble, uh, Alex wrote it up, but um, <laughs> we're so uh, kudos to him for being able to write this up and go on this trip because that was exhausting. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure to to do both of those at the same time is kind of uh, crazy. Now, you did get up to, you said, some options in Paris on this trip. And so you had, I imagine you did like a Paris city tour or something like that. So we started in the morning at, and going to the Palace of Versailles. And then we did, now it started raining, but then we did a, we did a tour of Paris, which was basically the Louvre. And then we got in these little sort of classic French cars, you know, little small little French cars and drove around the city of Paris, you know, got to the Eiffel Tower and all that. So I've been to Paris several times, but Alex hadn't. So it was more for him than me, but 
you know, go check off the Mona Lisa and the Venus de Milo and Eiffel Tower. Of course. Love it. And then you're hopping back in that beautiful private jet and heading back to the United States for Orlando for the Walt Disney World Resort. Obviously, you've got a couple of days at the Walt Disney World Resort in Orlando. You've been there, I'm I'm sure, millions of times. Well, maybe not millions, but hundreds of times. And I'm sure everyone who has been on, who was on this trip with you had probably already been to the Walt Disney World Resort. So you you had mentioned earlier that this is some place where they kind of had to give you some more of those exclusive and behind the scenes type of experiences. Let's let's talk about those. What kinds of things uh, were you able to get up to at, at WDW? So uh, the, they kind of split it up into three days. So there was a Magic Kingdom Day, Hollywood Studios slash Animal Kingdom Day, and then an Epcot Day. So at Magic Kingdom, we started with breakfast at uh, Be Our Guest, which just kept coming. Like they said, give us menus and we're like, oh, we're trying to figure out what to order. And then, no, it was just, that was just a list of everything we're going to give you. (laughs) That was crazy. It was all amazing. It was like, you know, normally when you get overfed, you're like, oh, I'm going to skip something. Like you don't want to skip anything because it was all so good. And they had these like breakfast eclairs filled with gray stuff. And so then we we went to Storybook Circus and hopped on the train backwards to the roundhouse. We were split up and went to holiday services. The central shops the monorail roundhouse. Oh, cool. So you got to see the backstage of all of that. That's amazing. Yeah. The holiday services, I think they offer as part of tours often, but uh, you know, d- pro tip on that, don't book a holiday services tour during the holidays because then you're just looking at empty warehouse. <laughs> right. Because all the stuff is up on the trees and posts and everything. There's nothing there. <laughs> You'll maybe see some Halloween stuff, but you know. uh, yeah, in central shops, I mean, if you never had a chance to go to central shops, I mean, just need to see all these vehicles just sitting around and these animatronics that they're working on. Um, it's pretty cool to get a tour of it. The monorail uh, roundhouse, they gave us a tour of you know the different parts of the monorail, including the new undercarriage lighting. Showed us, I don't know if you, they kind of gave us the, the advance warning they were going to do a, a Halloween version, which which debuted a couple of weeks ago at Magic Kingdom. And then each one of the stops, like, so, you know, in Central Shops, they gave us a keychain that they made there, right? You know, and then at Holiday Services, we were just able to pick an ornament from their collection to take home with us. And uh, at the monorail, they gave us a piece of the bus bar. Oh, that's so cool. We took the monorail backwards back to the TTC and then went into the Mountain Kingdom. Uh, we had lunch at Tomorrowland Terrace, and this was then became sort of our free time. The, now, the dinner here, this was kind of a miss, and I, I don't want to be accused of being a shell, so I can say this. We were asked to pick like one of the Magic Kingdom sit-down restaurants, and then they gave us the time to go. Unfortunately, the logistics of this, coupled by rain causing guests not wanting to leave their table, caused huge backups at the restaurants and ended up being a bit of a guest dissatisfier. But then in the end, we all got together to watch Happily Ever After and everything was all right in the world. So then the next day you're doing, uh, is that the Animal Kingdom and Hollywood Studios Day? Yeah. So and one thing I thought was a nice touch here, we did bag check at the Grand Floridian. So we would get on the bus to whatever park and they would do bag check at the, like on the bus. So we didn't have to do it when we got to the park or, you know, go through the regular bag check. Yeah. Went to Animal Kingdom and we went on Kilimanjaro's, but we, safaris, but we also got our tour guides were senior leaders in the animal services program. So it wasn't the normal drivers, I mean, who, who are fantastic at what they do. We got a little bit more behind the scenes perspective of uh, Kilimanjaro's safari. And then we went to Rafiki's Planet Watch, where we had breakfast. They had a presentation by Dr. S- Scott. Then we went on behind the scenes tour of you know the vet 
the innovation lab, the food prep, all those areas. And then we took the train back in the park. We had some free time. There was a you could go see a festival Lion King show. We elected to go do some other things. And then we our VIP tour guides. We had lunch at, at Yak and Yeti, which was like the most overkill lunch. I mean, like we stopped after like they gave us we told them to stop after they gave us half the food. And we had the same VIP tour guide for every day at Walt Disney World. It was the only place where we had VIP tour guides for more than one day. So we got to know them a bit. And they took us over to Hollywood Studios where we went to Smuggler's Run. And we went into the pit of the ADA vehicle. So you could see the vehicle kind of going in to the projection cone. You know, it's basically carousel progress, right? And and so they kind of demoed us what that looks like. And that was that was pretty cool. I haven't done that before. So that was a neat experience. And then after that, we had a sort of a reservation plus one free drink at Uga's Cantina. So I did that. And then we had some time to explore Hollywood Studios. Once again, we, we went to someplace to cool off a bit. And then it started raining. So, uh, but that was also our, I don't call it our farewell dinner, but it's what would typically be an Adventures by Disney farewell dinner because they had the slideshow. And we had that, that was over at Disney Junior, the dance party. We were supposed to go see, have the option to see Fantasmic, but due to weather, Fantasmic was canceled. Uh, we had our final day over. It was basically at Epcot, but we started. We split up into the Flavor Lab, which is the concept kitchen for Walt Disney World. They talked a lot about Roundup Barbecue. <laughs> oh, right, because that's the new, the new, uh, the newest restaurant, right? Yeah, exactly. And then uh, Tricycle D uh, went over there, and you know, obviously Tricycle D is you know open to the public. But we got a little bit of a tour. I found out that they have a horse named Benji, which was exciting to learn. <laughs> Did you get to meet Benji though? I did actually, yes. Ah, oh, fantastic. Because I feel like it would have been a kind of a fail. He's a, a lot prettier than I am. <laughs> and then we went to uh, have lunch at the Seas Pavilion, the Living Seas Lounge at Seas of Nemo Gardens. And the first thing we did was we walked, they took us up to the top of the uh, aquarium. And we walked, did a full circumference around it. They were very nervous about this. The Dr. Scott, the you know, was like, "Please do not let this be the reason I get fired." So uh, <laughs> nobody fall in the aquarium. Nobody fall in the aquarium. And then Imagineering came. Now, first, originally they were going to give us a presentation and then do this experience. However, they flipped it because of incoming weather. And we went to journey into water with uh, Moana, inspired by Moana. Oh, that's not open yet. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We were the first guests to go in there. And then we got a presentation about some stuff coming to Epcot that they told us not to talk about. Okay. Fair. We had some free time at Epcot. Once again, we kind of elected to go someplace to chill after doing an attraction or two. We did a group ride on Soren. And then we had dinner at the American Adventure Rotunda. Of course, you did a group ride at Soren for like the end of the trip. Yeah, I mean, that was kind of the, the culmination of all of it, right? You know, seeing all these Every time we would get, you know, it was a private theater, essentially. It was just us. And every time we'd get to a place that we'd been, we, everyone would clap. And it was kind of cool. And then went to, had dinner at American Adventure Rotunda. I would say it was, it kind of felt a little anticlimactic at that point. The food was amazing, but you know. If you've been around long enough, you've had dinner at the American Adventure Rotunda. And then we were supposed to have a dessert party. They moved the desserts inside due to weather, but then we saw Epcot forever. And that was the end of the experience. Oh, my goodness. And then the next day, they give you breakfast at your hotel and then shuttle you off to MCO to go home, I take it, unless you're sticking around Orlando for longer. Right. So, yeah. So, you could... uh, We had breakfast at Citrico's. It's sort of like the long goodbye if you've ever done Adventures by Disney. You say goodbye at the final night, but then you keep seeing everybody, like you even see people at the airport, right? You go to the Sky Club and there's still people there. 
But and it was interesting. We thought they were going to stick us all. Like there's a bunch of us leaving the hotel at eleven, and we thought, oh, they'll just get on this bus to all together. No, everyone had private transfers, <laughs> so we all we all went back to MCO. And uh, I mean, you know, we didn't cover every single gift or everything, but there was a uh, it was it was quite the experience. Ready to go home at that point, but also uh, made a lot of new friends. So Benji, this sounds like it. One, an amazing trip. Two, an exhausting trip. <laughs> but I had a couple of uh, maybe what I'll call wrap-up questions here for you about the trip. I want to return to something you said in the very beginning and just ask this question. You said at the very beginning that you know there are a lot of people on this trip who viewed it as a way to see all of these parks at once. You know, They weren't the super Disney fans that, that we all thought might be the ones taking this trip, but they were using it as a way to see all the parks. Do you think this trip hit that mark? Because there was a lot of stuff going on, not in the parks and a lot of behind the scenes stuff. So do, do you feel like that hit this mark for them? Everyone seems satisfied. I mean, everyone had feedback and everyone had unique feedback. Um, and I would say everyone seemed satisfied. Everyone seemed to say, I love that I did this. I'm never doing this again. <laughs> it is a once in a lifetime thing, though. It isn't something that's necessarily repeatable. At day three, I was ready to sign up for like another, do, let's do this again next year. At day 23, it was not. And a lot of people on the trip actually booked a Nat Geo around the world trip by the time they were done. I would say they are, they were satisfied. I will say if you are, your goal is to see all the Disney parks around the world, even if you want to have a premium experience, this is not the way to do it. If you want to have backstage, ultimate service, unique trip, then this is the way to do it. But do not, you know, you can buy a VIP tour at all these parks, you know, go see them for more than, you know, you, you really, parks are not meant to be seen in 18 hours. And so, you know, we, you, you couldn't do everything, even with a VIP tour guide. So, you know, if you really want to go to Tokyo Disneyland, go to Tokyo Disneyland, book a vacation package, get, you know, the six attractions or whatever comes with it and have fun. If you want to have a special experience at all these parks where you're doing unique things that only you can do through something like this, you know, going to Club 33s, this, I mean, the studio lot. I mean, to me, that was, I've been on the studio lot hundreds of times, but they got to do things that I've never seen guests be able to do before. So it was pretty impressive. You know, one thing I failed to mention is that Lucasfilm, you know, you're like, wow, we're here. You know, we're in the shadow of Pixar. We're not even go. No, they brought in Bob Peterson, the voice of Doug, to talk about Charles Day. So, you know, you even got to round it out with that. So um, I don't know what this trip, how this trip will evolve. It will evolve. It will not be the same once they take the feedback. But I'm fascinated to see what they tweak moving forward. Well, speaking of that, I wanted to ask you, what was your biggest highlight from the trip? And what did you see as the biggest opportunity for this trip going forward? The biggest highlight to me was, and this is going to sound so hokey, but seeing people discover parts of the magic of Disney through this trip, including the staff, including the, the Nat Geo team. I have a weird life. I do a lot of things that most people don't get to do through various reasons. So, you know, it's not about me getting unique experiences because that's rare. Um, there are things on this trip I haven't done before, but you know, I would say few and far between. However, seeing them light up as they learn things about Disney and got to see the nuance of each park going in rapid succession and seeing how each one has a unique flair and meeting friends that, you know, we, uh, before we were podcasting today, I was, you know, we're talking to some friends we met on the trip where, you know, next time I'm at Walt Disney world, where I'm going to Victoria and Albert's with, you know, someone I met on this trip, you know, it's, it's, um, that, that was really, it sounds like a commercial, but it's, it really is. I mean, cause part of what you're getting, you're paying for essentially is doing this with 74 other people. It wouldn't be the same if you just did it on your own. 
So Benji, the other question I had for you was uh, opportunity. Do you have an opportunity that uh, you see them needing to address uh, on this trip? Yeah, absolutely. And um, communication, the communication on the trip that was better than before the trip, but there was a lot of just wrong communication. The, a lot of people on this trip don't have a lot of Disney knowledge and they're not geo people and they're, they're great. And I don't, this is not a criticism for it, but they just weren't the, whatever training they had to go through was just not sufficient. You know, for example, when we left the opera house, we had reserve viewing for the fireworks. And so I'm facing out of the opera house, right? Across town square to city hall. And a guest asks one of the adventure staff, uh, where are the fireworks? He goes like, oh, I think they blew off right here. And it's like motioning from behind city hall as if they blow them up from jungle cruise. I was like, no, they, they go from behind the castle. Like they just didn't have the Disney knowledge that they really had. You know, for example, in Shanghai Disneyland, you have to go there with an ID, you know, a passport. Uh, you need photo ID to enter the park and, or at least you should have it. Sometimes they don't check, but, and I knew that, but none of the other guests would, I mean, I don't generalize, but yeah, I mean, most guests won't know that because they've been to four parks already and they don't never had to do this. So, you know, you need to communicate those things. It got better as time went on, but it definitely felt like that we're going to do a Nat Geo trip. We're just doing it with Disney and without realizing the subtle um, nuances, for example, dietary restrictions, most people going on. And I'm not talking allergies or things. I'm talking like taste. The taste palette was much more limited than probably someone who is going to go on a Nat Geo trip who wants to see the world and have those whole experiences. You know, they're, they're, they're here to go to a theme park. They're not necessarily here to eat Asian food. They just want to go to the Asian parks. So we had a lot of dietary restrictions that they weren't, they accommodated, but weren't prepared for. Shipping is obviously a bigger deal here. So while they facilitated it, they weren't really prepared for the volume that was going to happen. Oh, yeah, because like you said, the merch um, being different and being exclusive in certain places. Yeah, that's huge for Americans, at least. Right. Yeah. And, and also probably unlike a Nat Geo trip where you're going to see the thing, right? You're going to see the pyramids. So you go, you know, and that's the thing. Whereas at the parks, everyone has diverse take of what they want to do. Some people may just want to like spend two hours doing Duffy stuff or, you know, really are passionate about X, Y, or Z. So you need to be more specific than you do at like on a normal ABD, you just kind of, you know, put your hands back and you go, okay, what magic, you know, do for me, right? Show me, tell me where to go and, and show me what I need to see. That's why you book through them. So you don't have to plan it all out. But the parks, we all know what we really want to see, right? It could be a flavor of popcorn we want at Tokyo Disneyland or what have you. So it's a then that is the kind of thing that differentiates this than a typical Nat Geo around the world trip and what they maybe weren't quite ready for. So Benjamin, my last question for you as we wrap up here and before I hand you over to Sam for rapid fire round uh, is someone comes to you and says, I'm thinking about doing this trip. Who would you say the trip is for? And did you think it had, I'm not going to ask you if the price was right, because I think that's way too subjective, but do you think that it had the value for the price that you paid? I'm gonna let me answer the second part first because it's easier. This was a, a, a t- experience I'll never forget. It was priceless. So absolutely, I think it has total value. With the understanding, I know it's not accessible for everybody, but if it's accessible and not, you know, you don't have to stretch yourself too much. Um, I would totally do this. I'd recommend it. You know, if you have the time to do it, absolutely. Who the trip is for, I think, is the bigger challenging question to answer because I think Nat Geo is figuring that out too. The way it ended up being, I would say it's for hardcore Disney fans that want to have exclusive experiences that they can't, money can't buy experiences. I don't know that's necessarily who they got, but that's who the trip was structured for. So as they get feedback from the guests they got, it'll be interesting to see 
how it evolves. So for example, like I feel like the Club 33 dinner at Tokyo Disneyland, it was long. It was three hours. I love it because I'm at Tokyo Disneyland's Club 33. I can't go here when I just go to Tokyo Disneyland. A lot of other people just really wanted to get back in the park and were kind of frustrated dinner was taken that long. I don't, you know, we were, we, we, you know, we're not sure if they're going to go back there, right? Because we don't know what the, how that was perceived on either side of the equation. So I, I, I think that's, that you, you hit the nail on the head on the right question. I just think Disney's trying to answer that too. Well, Benji, we have reached that point in our show where I need to hand you over to Sam for some arbitrary questions, some arbitrary rules, and a dash of judgment with a round we know as rapid fire. So Sam, take it away. All right, Benji, I'm going to give you a very special and unique rapid fire because you are now an around the world Disney expert. Uh, We're going to start out with some of your general Disney favorites, and then I'm going to ask you some specific favorites about, you know, parks, trips, uh, ships, that sort of a thing. Let's start with who is your favorite Disney character? And by Disney, I mean anything that Disney owns. I'm going to, this is so bland for a guy who has such Disney experiences, but I, got, I still got to go with Mickey. Yeah. What's planned about that? You know, I love it. Well, it's like the Disney 100 name tags now, like if you fail to select something, you got Mickey Mouse. So if you actually pick Mickey Mouse, everyone just thinks that you failed to like fill out the form. <laughs> it's like when you used to get those magic bands that were just like gray and because you didn't pick your color. Yeah, because they asked us because one of the things they gave us on the trip was a picture of a sketch of our favorite Disney character, right? And, but they asked us at the start, who's your favorite Disney character for this purpose? And I was like, how deep can I go? Like, can I get like Radigan or whatever? And I was like, <laughs> I was like, you know, I'm just gonna go off Mickey. So um, love it. Even though Mickey is the default. I love it. Becky Klein picked out Oswald the Lucky Rabbit, which is, oh, which that's, is a great pick. That is a great pick. What's your favorite Disney movie? My favorite Disney movie. I mean, that's, not, that's like pick my favorite child. But um I'm going to go with Sleeping Beauty. Nice. What's your favorite Disney song? Great Big Beautiful Tomorrow. Oh, I love that. All right. Favorite Disney park you can pick from anywhere in the world. That's so tough. And I, you know, I've worked at many of them and that sort of changes the calculus of it for you, but I'm, I'm still going to go with Walt Disney's Disneyland. Oh, awesome. What was your favorite stop on this trip, this ABD around the world? Like what location? That's an excellent question. With full disclosure that I've been to all these sites before, the stop that I had the most fun at was going, it's going to have to be, we have to go to Disneyland, Southern California, because the studio lot day was just so amazing. Disneyland, we got to chat with Ken Potrock, the president of Disneyland. It just really set a very high bar. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great way to start the trip, right? All right. What's your favorite Disney attraction? My favorite Disney attraction, I'm going to go with Haunted Mansion. Oh, nice. Love it. All right. We have to jump to where my heart lives, which is what's your favorite Disney Cruise Line ship? Disney Magic. Oh, you were an originalist. It makes sense. Mickey, Magic. Yeah, absolutely makes sense. All right. What was your favorite ABD trip? Let's say outside of this around the world trip, because I'm not sure any other ABD can kind of compete with this one. So what's your what's been your favorite ABD trip outside of that? My favorite ABD trip is I'm going to go with China. You get the two parks, but you also get to see the Great Wall and, and just, you, you know, and you get to know the Chinese people, which is illuminating for many obvious reasons. 
All right. Well, I, I usually ask for my last question of rapid fire, a bucket list cruise. If you could go anywhere around the world on a Disney cruise, where would it be? But I'm going to change it up for you and ask, what is your bucket list Disney experience? Meaning a Disney experience you haven't done, but you really want to do. I want them to do an Adventures by Disney that recreates Walt Disney's South of America trip, the, oh, the El wow. Grupo trip that inspired Saludos Amigos and, and the like. I just think it would be so fascinating to see South America through the lens of what Walt saw and was inspired for the rest of his life by. Oh, that's an amazing idea. I love that. Disney Adventures by Disney, if you're listening, um, you need to give credit to Benji when you create that trip. But I feel like that's probably in, I think that is probably a future trip for Adventures by Disney. Becky, Becky and I Becky and I kind of were trying to pitch it constantly throughout this trip because I, I told her I wanted to do it. And she's like, oh yeah, I have all the I have all the assets. I know exactly where he stayed. I know where he went. I was like, yeah, let's do this. Let's find Nancy and, and just make her make this happen. Awesome. Well, thanks, Benji. You are an, an expert. So you you have totally won rapid fire. Um, no judgment on any of your answers. I think that they are awesome. And I'm just jealous of all the stuff that you've gotten to do, to be perfectly honest. I just want to go on a cruise with you guys now. I just want to see what that's like. You being cruise line experts, I would I would just love to know what. I mean, I've done I've done twenty five, but that's over twenty five years. So I'm not you know, I'm not I'm not exactly going on them all the time. But you guys, I. I, I feel know so much, and particularly for this podcast, you probably learn a lot too about experiences. I just, I'm really excited uh, to learn about cruising through you guys. Oh, thanks. Well, we appreciate it. You're, you're 25 over however many years. We're uh, 22 over since 2018. So uh, we've, been, we've been hitting it hard. Wow, guys, it hard. that's amazing. And you, you sound like you live in Port Canaveral. You guys are... <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. I'm We're, jealous. If, if they had put a ship in Seattle, we would probably be at uh, Castaway Key plaque stage by now. But uh, thankfully, <laughs> thankfully for my bank account, they uh, we got to fly a little further for that. Well, Benji, we would be remiss in not letting you plug uh, the fabulous blog and site over at Laughing Place. You want to do that? Yeah, sure. So we're, we're Laughing Place. We cover the entire Walt Disney Company from um, all the tiles, the Disney tile, Pixar, Marvel, Star Wars, Net Geo, also ABC, ESPN, all that stuff. Um, and we got a lot going on more than most people probably know. So uh, keep an eye out. Um, if you want the latest Disney news, we have a we just posted a story this week about uh, the journey into water. So if you want to see what it looks like inside of that experience, you can check that out too. And then you know, there's there's it's going to be a very busy month for Disney theme park fans. So please follow us and to get the lowdown, the news and analysis that we hope you enjoy. And and please give us any feedback you'd like. We just we you know we do it to kind of share the information with everybody so that they can get a very top level view of all the fun that's happening at Disney. Yeah, it's an amazing site. You can go over to laughingplace.com to check it out. And uh, with that, Benji, I'll just say thank you for taking time to share this amazing Adventures by Disney trip. We were, as soon as we saw it, we knew we needed to have someone on to talk about it. And we're so excited that we found you. So thank you for coming on, taking time out of your weekend to share it with us. We really, really appreciate it. It was my pleasure. Thanks for letting me relive it. It was, uh, it was a blast to remember all the fun I had. 
Well, a big thank you to all of you out there for listening this week. We really, really appreciate it. Please be sure to subscribe to the podcast. You can keep getting great content from the DCL Duo each week. We'd also love it if you'd head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. If you hit those five stars, that's great. If you leave us a written review along with a five-star review, we will be sure to read it on the air at the end of one of our main episodes. If you're hovering over anything less than five stars, we really want you to reach out to us so we can take your feedback. Best way to do that, head to dclduo.com to find all the ways to connect with us. It links to our podcast, our vlog, our blog, has all the ways you can connect with us on social media, has our Etsy store where you can find our fun beach bags and magnets that we designed as enthusiasts of each of the Disney Cruise Line ships, has a link off to our Patreon if you'd like to help support the show. We really truly appreciate each and every one of our Patreons for helping to support the show each and every month, has a link off to our show sponsor, My Path Unwinding, where you can get more information about booking a fabulous vacation, which also really helps to support our show. Show. All the things are there, including a way you can sign up to be a guest on the show if you'd like to share your Disney Cruise Line experience. Most importantly, you can always email us at dclduo at gmail.com if you'd like to connect with us, or you can call our voicemail line if you'd like to leave us a message. We love to include the voices of our listeners in our show. Just dial 402-413-5590. That's 402 402- 413-5590 and that will head straight to our Google Voice voicemail line. The DCL Duo podcast is not affiliated with Disney Cruise Line, the Disney Company, or the Disney family of theme parks. The views expressed on the show are solely those of the individuals on the podcast and in no way reflect the views of the Disney Company or Disney Cruise Line. If you have questions about a Disney cruise or a Disney vacation, please contact Disney directly or your own travel agent or the great folks over at My Path Unwinding Travel. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time for another fabulous Disney adventure with a DCL duo. Good night.